Hey guys, I hope you're doing great today and I can't wait to bring you the show. But before I do, I just wanna make a quick request. If you're listening to the show and you're getting good value and you're enjoying the content and you feel that it's valuable, if you could just take a second and go and give me a rating and review in whatever platform you listen, whether it be Apple or Google or uh, Spotify, whatever it is, just go and give me a rating and review. That would be very appreciated. All right, guys, let's dive in. You know, people are work, used to like a corporate environment where you're kind of coy about, you know, mm-hmm. what you make or like what you're doing. But when you go to these business focused meetups, you know, you kind of want to humble brag a little bit, but not, you know, obviously you don't want to yeah. be obnoxious about it. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now your host, Mike Simmons. Okay, guys, thank you for joining me on the show today. I appreciate it. I have a great interview for you, interviewing a really successful real estate investor, someone who uh, beat the nine to five grind, uh, was an engineer turned real estate investor, and we get to hear all about that, how he did it, how he got his deals funded, how he manages his rentals, where he's finding his deals now. Um, just some some cool information and, and a really uh, good interview that I think will resonate with a lot of people out there that are trying to figure out if they want to quit their full-time job and how that might look and how you make that transition. So I'm super stoked to have Mike DeHaan on the show today. Like I said, he is an electrical engineer turned real estate investor, uh, founder of of INW Properties LLC. He owns 28 doors and has completed 48 deals in three years of investing. And we actually found out it was more like 34 doors at this point and somewhere in the 50s with deals. So, uh, and he's now generating more passive rental income than he used to make with his nine to five six figure salary. So, uh, he has been featured on many podcasts and publications, and uh, he is actually launching his own uh, podcast. And that is going to be called or is called the No BS Real Estate Show. So go and check that out. Guys, I give you without any further ado, Mike DeHaan. All right, Mike, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thank you, Mike. It's good to meet you. Um, i listened to you for quite a while and excited to chat with you a little bit. Cool. Me too. Same here. Same here. Uh, we're we're kindred spirits in in how you do your real estate and, and the kind of real estate you do. And I, the research that I've done, it sounds like we have some similar um, philosophies on real estate. So it'll be a lot of fun to talk about that and dive in a little bit deeper. Uh, but before we do that, let's just for a minute. I it's a little bit uh, um, you know obligatory is maybe the wrong word. It sounds like a drag, but let's let people in a little bit on who you are. If they don't know who you are, if they've never heard of you, let's just give them a little bit of background so they can maybe understand who they're talking to. Yeah, for sure. So I, uh, I'm an investor up in Spokane, Washington and uh, Northern Idaho area predominantly. Um, we have a wholesaling, flipping and rental business up here. I uh, started my career, I guess, my, I guess I started my adulthood as an engineer by degree. And then, you know, kind of decided that I didn't like that career path after five years of doing that. So um, it's funny, I feel like that's kind of a common story. There's a lot of engineers out there who get into the real estate world. Uh, so sad I didn't like that. So I, I jumped ship after five years with no real plan and just sort of said I was going to figure out what to do with myself. After a little bit of wandering around, I ended up kind of dabbling in real estate. Uh, you know, not really two feet in at the start. You know, I was doing sure. some other stuff, trying to get into the tech world. So I was doing real estate on the side, trying to get some some supplement, supplementary income going. 
And then as you know, the tech world turned out to be so, I guess, difficult, especially with where I was located, I started getting more and more into real estate. Uh, in the first year, I bought three rentals um, using primarily funds that were from my, uh, my previous corporate uh, IRA and 401k. Mm-hmm. Um, tw- that was 2018. 2019, I started flipping some houses on my, uh, by myself, uh, working with you know, realtors to find stuff on market. And uh, buying stuff from wholesalers. End of 2019, I had a couple more. I had a triplex and one more rental. And then going into 2019, it was getting hard to find deals. So I joined up with my now business partner, who's also my best friend from college, to start our business. Um, and uh, since then, we started officially beginning in 2020. And now we own uh, 34 units and we've done about 50 transactions in the last, I guess, you know, year. So it sort of has escalated there pretty quickly as yeah. we started working direct with seller. So it's even you've escalated beyond your your bio numbers. You have to update those. It only has you at twenty four. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Oh, but, really? That's, that's cool though. So you, I have a couple quick questions about what you just shared. So the the units that you own, the thirty four uh, doors, is that owned yeah. jointly between like in your company with you and your partner that the company owns that and you guys own it equally? So there's a couple. That, uh, I guess quite a few that we do. So yeah, I guess we own. Uh, I guess nine properties split now, but then me and my wife, we own, I guess, 12 doors, uh, just us that we accumulated before we started um, okay. working with my partner. Okay, cool. Um, where did you get the, I know where you got the funding to do your first couple of rentals. Uh, you got that from your W2 job. Where did you get the money to start flipping? You were buying from wholesalers, it sounds like, and maybe the MLS, I don't know, but where did you get the money for the flips? Yeah, it's partnerships. You know, it all it I, from right when I started, I really got involved in the local investor community, and you know that's kind of how we've been able to grow very quickly as well. Okay. Um, you know, your network is your net worth, sort of thing, right? I've been mm-hmm. a big believer in that. So when I started flipping houses, I basically met somebody that had the cash um, and didn't have the time, and I had the time and I had the hustle. So I facilitated the projects and they basically supported me. And then we would just split the profits 50-50. What was the conversation like when you approached them to, to fund these deals and, and partner with you? So I was actually fortunate. They actually approached me. Oh. Um, because, yeah, because they known that I had done some uh, you know rehabs on my own stuff that I had bought. There were a couple of rentals that we bought. There was some fixers. Um you know, not like major fixers, but basic stuff that we were doing. And they'd yeah. seen how I'd stabilized them and the person that I worked with, they were looking to get started flipping houses, but they knew nothing about doing any work and didn't really yeah. want to get into that world. Yeah. So basically, you know, they were, um, it was a, a couple actually that was based in a different part of the state. They had a relatively successful business and they wanted to flip some houses, but they didn't want to, you know, have to get their hands dirty. And then, yeah. you know, we just sort of had connected a few times and then they brought it up and, you know, sort of went from there. All right. But, so there's a huge lesson in here and I want to underscore it for a minute. So you said they approached you because they they knew that you had done some some flips mm-hmm. and some renovations. How did they know that? Yeah, just you know, casual conversation that comes up at these meetups. Yeah, um, if anybody anybody ever goes to a, a real estate meetup, it's funny. I feel like you know people are work used to like a corporate environment where you're kind of coy about you know mm-hmm. what you make or like what you're doing. But when you go to these business focused meetups, you know you. Kind of want to humble brag a little bit, but not you know obviously you don't want to yeah. be obnoxious but, about it. But the really the really important lesson here is, and I'm I'm the reason I'm kind of driving this home so hard is 
I think at, at a surface level, there's two things that you did really, really well to find this money that came to you is you showed up where people like that hang out and you talked about what you were doing, right? So when yeah. people say to me, oh, I can't find money, there's private investors, I, I haven't done a lot of deals, like they won't work with me. Baloney, show up and talk about what you do. Show up and talk what you do. Keep doing that, rinse and repeat, and you will make these connections. There are people are out there with money that want to work with folks. And it isn't always the person with the most experience and the biggest resume. It really isn't. It's a people business. So people who resonate with you may just resonate with you. And they don't resonate with a guy who's done 100 flips. They, they, they kind of more identify with you and they want to work with you. So I, I got my first private lender before I finished my first flip because I showed up and I talked about what I was doing and and the rest kind of just worked itself out. So that's awesome. And I, I we're spending a lot of time on this, but I think it's such an important message for people who are just like, I don't know where to find money. Nobody has money. I know. Just get out there and start talking. Put yourself out there. Make sure people know what you're up to. Awesome. Yeah, and, and I think, I think too, Mike, really quick on that. I think a big thing that a lot of people don't understand is after you have those conversations with people, you have to be proactive after the fact. Because you know, everyone goes out and I mean, I think every every guy, especially, you go out with your guy friends, you're like, I have this business idea. You know, maybe you've had a couple of beers, and you're like, that sounds so awesome, let's do it. And then nothing ever comes from it, right? <laughs> yeah. So, and the same things happens at these meetups. There's so many folk partnerships that start up and they're like, Yeah, let's work together. And then no one actually takes any action after that yep. moment. Yeah. You know, so after I met with these people and they kind of expressed interest, like Later that week, I was like, hey, I'm getting these emails from these wholesalers. Let's look at these properties. And then once I sort of engaged that way with them, they started doing um, doing that back with me. And next thing you know, we're actively discussing deals. We're looking at different opportunities. And once you're like act, like really diving in the numbers with somebody like that, you know, you're kind of in bed with them at that point, you know, and the chances of it coming together is 10x more than just having a conversation at a meetup. Totally. Yep. Absolutely. Collecting business cards and just kind of shaking hands and then going home and doing nothing is kind of a big waste of time. Honestly, you got to follow up for sure. Everything, everything is follow up, right? Those kind of relationships, leads, everything is about follow up. That's just where it's at. So once you did these few flips, I, I think now if I'm if I'm reading correctly and kind of understanding where you are, you're doing more. You're you're holding on to stuff that you want to keep long-term and everything else you're wholesaling. How many flips are you actually involved in? Are you, have you kind of phased out that part or is it real, real like specific ones you'll flip? Uh, yeah. So we, we actually do quite a few flips now. Um, we're just kind of selective about the flips that we do in the way that we don't want to do any like major projects mm -hmm. um, just because like, you know, it's more headaches. Right. And we have opportunities that we don't have to be doing crazy, you know, bump outs or, massive gut jobs or things like that. So we'll do cosmetic flips, you know, we'll do things where you like finish basements and add square footage and things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, we're not trying to do, you know, rebuild like a foundation you know, okay. or anything super crazy. Now, let me, let me um, dial back for a minute and talk about your W2 and when you left that job. Um, mm -hmm. Two things. And I guess if this is too personal, you can tell me to back off, but were you married when you made that decision? I was. Yeah. Okay. Um, what was that conversation like? Was so okay. Yeah, the, so it's funny. The conversation with my wife was actually very easy, mostly because I was a miserable prick at the time. Like, <laughs> okay. you know, she, she was like, "If it's going to get you back to how you were before you had these awful jobs that you hated, because we've been yeah. together a really long time." Okay, my wife and I were, were high school sweethearts. Okay, um, cool. you know, and I'm 30 now, so we've been together for like 13 years, mm -hmm. and uh, so she's sort of seen like the full gambit of my life. You know? Okay, so. 
with there, it was very easy. Honestly, the hardest conversation was with my parents, Oh, you know, because awesome. they, had, you know, they were really big facilitators of me going to college. You mm-hmm. know, I went to like a great private school here in Spokane, I went to Gonzaga university. You know, I got a pretty prestigious degree in electrical engineering and they were very proud of that, especially my mom who comes from an academic family. And then for me to call her up and say, Hey, remember that thing that I did where, you know, we spent all this money for me to go to school. It's like, yeah, I'm going to flush that down the toilet now. Did they, gonna, did they pay for your school? Did you pay for it? Some combination of that? So I, I, I got a pretty good scholarship from Gonzaga okay. Um, okay. for academics. So I had half of it paid for. Okay. Um, and then my parents paid for the other half. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. That, I can imagine that would be a tough conversation. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can totally get that. And honestly, you know, family is tough. I, I say this all the time and I don't tell me if your experience was similar, but your mom was was bummed, obviously. She was very proud of you having your degree. But a lot of times, like your family will sort of discourage these kind of moves because they're trying to protect you, right? They're just, they want the best for you, obviously, and they're trying to protect you. And so I think if you have a, a good relationship with your family, I mean, I left my corporate job closer to 40 and mm-hmm. I still took my parents out to dinner to tell them the good news, you know? And, and at 40, my, my dad was still like, bad idea, son, bad idea. And I was like, but I'm already making way more part-time doing real estate than I am in my W2. And he's like, you're going to regret it. And it's like, okay, well, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I was fortunate that my parents actually didn't really try to discourage me at all. Okay. Um, they basically just encouraged me to really make sure that I was making the right decision and then not be impulsive. Cause mm-hmm. I guess at the time I was 27 when I made that decision. Okay. So, you know, they were like, you're still young, you got time to figure it out. And my, my dad's entrepreneurial. So he kind of okay. understood it more. Gotcha. Um, but, uh, yeah, I know, I know a lot of people that are not so fortunate to have that same sort of support. Can you hear me now? Nope. Yeah. Sorry about that. I'm not sure what That's that was. Oh, really? Okay. Now you're right. Okay. Okay, that was a that was a really bad time to lose you too because I said hopefully you're not still a miserable prick, <laughs> and then you go silent. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm I'm definitely not now. I'm yeah, much happier than I was before. Um, you know, I think that the the entrepreneurial lifestyle just fits me a lot better. Yeah. You know, and then also too, once you kind of figure it out and you start making real money, um, you know, it just sort of sure elevates your life in ways that you don't really understand until you're yep. able to do that. Totally. It can make you feel so much lighter. And especially if you start putting together a team and, and building out your business and you have people in positions doing things that maybe aren't your strength or your superpower, things you hate or whatever, and you can start growing and your business starts growing and you're not doing every single thing in it. That's, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So tell me how you're... And, and I know we talked prior to jumping on here live, um, you're starting a new podcast called the No BS Real Estate Show. Um, you guys, uh, by the time this airs, I think you, you will have launched. So hopefully yep. everyone can look that up, but go check it out. But the reason I'm bringing that up is um, I wanted to find out how you're, what are you currently doing to find deals? Because I, I, it sounds like from what I read, you're doing like three to five a month, somewhere in there. Um, how are you finding deals? Because people are struggling to find deals right now. It's such a hot market. Everyone thinks they can sell for way more than their house is worth. Like, How are you guys finding these deals? Yeah, sure. So it's, uh, it's, it's funny. People always, I feel people always ask that question, um, you know, locally here, they're always looking for like the magic secret, mm-hmm. you know, the, the thing that nobody else is doing, but honestly, sure. we're just as vanilla as it gets. We focus on direct mail, um, you know, direct mail, we mix in some cold calling there as well. 
And the biggest thing is just being persistent. And uh, we really push a local brand very heavily. Okay. Um, so things that are really different and they are, you know, showing that we are actually true local people and we're not, you know, just kind of like, like scammers out there. Right. Yeah. So if you, if you look at like our, our website, a lot of our stuff, our faces on it, you know, we have things connected to the local community um, and, you know, just basically being consistent with our mailers and it's, it just keeps working over and over and over again, which, you know, sometimes feels fascinating because it feels so primitive, yeah. but I mean, it works, you know, and, and that's just been our, our cornerstone the entire time. That makes sense. I, I, I tell people all the time of all the of all the very successful real estate investors that I know, I would say the vast majority, eighty percent of them, get the vast majority of their deals from direct mail. It just works. It just still works. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, we've tried a couple other things, like you know, we've done cold calling, but it's, it's a different kind of lead. You know, because yeah. people are it's more people that are willing to have a conversation because you caught them at the right time versus something like direct mail. They are reaching out to you and they're expressing motivation the second that they call you. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I know a lot of people get into the the PPC and the internet stuff now, but yeah. I think that's kind of market dependent, you know. So kind yeah. of where we're at, we have lots of older people, lots of blue collar people that don't necessarily do the internet game quite, you know, yeah. quite with the modern times. So it yeah. just doesn't seem to convert as well for us. Yep, totally. Okay, a couple of things I want to hit on real quick. Um, I, I know that you you're, you negotiate both acquisitions and disposition stuff. What makes a good acquisitions person? For those people listening that are maybe a little bit more advanced and they're looking to bring someone on to help them uh, talk to motivated sellers and get contracts, what do you look for in that in that position? Yeah, so the biggest thing that we've looked for, people that we've hired, has been their ability to relate to people with like, you know, all walks of life. So, you know, I think that a lot of people, they think you need like a hard sales driver, which I think definitely helps. But, you know, a lot of our sellers, you know, they're older couples who are in tough situations, people are getting divorced, the people that are in really sensitive financial situations. So you kind of need somebody that has that mix of people skills that like, they're going to be very likable while also having, you know, the patience that like a hard salesperson may not have right. to be, you know, listening to these people's stories and like navigating the ins and outs of dealing with these people that have gotten themselves in a situation. Um, you know, that's something that, that we always talk about, you know, we'll get some of these sellers that we're chatting with and they seem almost like so irrational or like so unput together. And, you know, to most of us, that seems crazy, right? And you're like, well, I don't understand how they're so unorganized. And it's like, well, there's a reason that, you know, they're, $50,000 in debt and they're about to yep. lose their house. Totally. You now, know? what about dispositions? So, what do you look for in a dispositions person? Is it different or is it the same person? So the dispositions person, we look for somebody that has a little bit more real estate knowledge and a little bit more um, of like a ability to connect sort of like business to business. Um, because, you know, when we're doing dispositions, it's more how can you connect and sell this deal to other investors who are also equally educated? Right. Um, so, you know, honestly with that, we don't look as much for like a salesperson, but more somebody that is willing to, you know, take other investors out to coffee, um, while also being able to navigate some of the tricky things that come with closing. So our disposition people do our transaction coordination as well. Okay. Um, so they're, you know, doing stuff like driving paperwork to the sellers or they are, you know, we've, we've had them had like help sellers move and things like that. So, yeah. you know, more like a problem solver and less like, like a shoulder to cry on. Right. That's what an access yep. person kind of is. 
Totally. I, I agree with you. I don't think they're the, they're the same skill set. It's a different skill set for sure. Now, yeah. talk to me a little bit about landlording. You've, uh, you've been able to accumulate a sizable rental portfolio in a relatively short amount of time. Are you guys doing your own property management? Where do you stand on that? For the most part, yep. Um, so the only ones that we don't manage ourselves, we own a few properties that are a decent distance from where we live. And so, you know, I don't want to have to be driving out there like an hour to go fix something. Right. So we use property managers out there. But for the most part, we do all of it ourselves. And, uh, you know, we've kind of built a system to be able to manage that um, through just like the different softwares that are out there for doing property management. And then we have a virtual assistant that we leverage that helps us, you know, answer maintenance calls and, and you know, just do some okay. of the random tasks that comes with it. Um and, uh, you know, then right now, the only thing that we really have to do when it comes to boots on the ground property management is help place tenants. But even then, we're working on hiring an admin right now to help us do that whole process of doing walkthroughs and screenings and all that sort of stuff. Gotcha. Can you? Can I ask what software you use? Uh, yeah. So we use Hemlane right now. Um, okay. Yeah. It's, 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 one, it's like a simpler one. I know a lot of people use these. Uh, it's like Buildium, I think is a pretty popular one. And yep. this one we liked because you can add different features to it based on like how automated you want the property management to be. So they even have a service on there where you can pay extra and they actually have like a call center that mm. people can call. Like, so when they call for maintenance, it goes to somebody and then you give them like a list of your contractors and they organize all of it. Wow. So, yeah. So we had that as like a, a backup in case, you know, our VA goes south or like, you know, they have a, she's over in the Philippines. Sometimes they have like weather and they're not reachable for like long yeah. periods of time. Yeah. So if we have an option to be able to connect tenants with that, that's, it just a, makes that's, our life that's a good, easier. that's a good uh, little nugget. You said it was called Hem Lane, H E M Lane. Yep. H E M L A N E. Oh, okay. Interesting. I've never heard of them. Um, yeah. Awesome. Any tips? What do people do wrong when it comes to rentals? Like, what are the biggest mistakes? What are some of the like lessons learned that you had when you were starting to build your portfolio? Yeah. Well, I, th I think, you know, there's always issues with tenants that people face, you know, mainly being too nice, honestly. Like, it, it, I mean, I still struggle with this to this day when you get people that have weird family dramas and, and things like that, that, you know, they'll quote unquote have and they'll just share with you to try and you know, get discounts on rent or be late on rent. And most of the time you find out it's all BS anyway. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's one thing, but I think one of the biggest things that we've learned as we've sort of grown our portfolio and the rental market's been so competitive is honestly, you got to have like decent properties. There's so many landlords out there that like, just think because it's a rental, the property doesn't need to be like decent. Yeah. You know, and it's, a, it's amazing if you have like a nice property, I mean, a, how much, um, how much happier your tenants are and how much more willing they are to stay for like long periods of time. Mm -hmm. And also too, like how much more rent they're willing to pay. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, so many properties that we even buy are these landlord owned properties that just like basic stuff doesn't work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you're like, and, and the thing is we go in there and like to fix the entire house would cost like 3000 bucks. Yeah. And now the tenant's going to stay there forever because it's functional they're happy, you know, it's clean. Yeah. But for some reason, a lot of landlords just don't want to spend that money or take that time. Totally, totally couldn't agree more. When it comes to like, you, you mentioned like the drama and stuff like that. And what I sort of read between the lines was, um, don't get caught up in that drama. Don't like let your emotions or feeling bad for someone like 
you got to have rules, you got to stick to them, and you got to sort of hold firm with that. And that's what a lot of people pay property management companies for, frankly. They they know mm-hmm. they'll get sucked into that stuff. And so they have to have somebody like arm's length that can just be a little bit more business-like about it. So I agree. If you're going to do it yourself, like don't don't let yourself get sucked into the drama and the excuses. You just can't do it. It's not, it's not a good way to run a business. And really, I, I'm of the opinion. I don't know how you feel about it. You're enabling people. You, you listen to their drama and you give them a break. Guess what they're going to come back at you with soon? Similar yeah. drama and want another break, right? So you're kind, of, you're kind of enabling some bad behavior. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much everyone, you give them a name, they'll take a mile. Yeah. You know, every single opportunity they get, you know, and, you know, one day they're asking for rent, for rent to be late, you know, like a couple of days. And then the next time they're asking like, oh, can I just pay 50% of it this month? And then it's like, oh, I'm going to be a month late on rent. Yeah. And it just, it's just cascaded, you know, and I, I made that mistake when I first started where I was super flexible with people. And yeah, I mean, one of the issues I had too, one of the first rentals I bought, um, the tenants were like my age mm. and like, we had a lot of similar interests. So they kind of became my friends. Yeah. And then, you know, all of a sudden you have somebody that's your friend and you need to, you know, smack down on them a little bit because they're, you know, they suddenly have like a dog that's terrorizing the other neighbors in this duplex. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it creates awkward conversations, you know, and people, people think the conversations are awkward at the start. It's like, well, wait until you kind of have a personal connection and now you got to do that. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Yep. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. All right. Listen, we could do this all day because I really enjoyed this conversation for sure. But let me direct people. You have a website that uh, I know we want to direct people to. It's called MikeInvests.com. That's invest with an S. Invest. MikeInvests.com. Go check them out there. Guys, don't forget to go and check out... You're listening to podcasts. Obviously, your podcast listeners. Go to the No BS Real Estate Show and check that out with him and his partner. They're going to be in the trench kind of conversations, like real world stuff, what's going on in their business. And I think it's fun sometimes to just be a fly in the wall, listen to two people running a business and talking about what's going on. So did I did I represent that properly? Is that what we're going to be hearing? Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that we feel is kind of underrepresented in a lot of the um, real estate media that's out there. You know, a lot of people go and they talk about like their wins or they talk about you know, how they scale their business so quickly, which is always great to hear. It's like, but, you know, as you know, you being in the business yourself, I'm sure you have, you know, your horror stories of like, you know, crazy things with, with tenants or sellers or closing processes or lenders or whatever. And so we're going to kind of focus on that a little bit more. Um, Cause you know, we, we've been to, I mean, so many like dinner parties and stuff like that. And like, Oh, you're in real estate. Tell me about it. And next thing you know, you're telling them your stories about, you know, the time you're walking through a property and the landlord and tenant got into a fist fight in front of you, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. or like, you know, the, the time that you went and showed up at a property that you just bought and the seller didn't know how to cash a check. Right. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't able to you didn't have a bank account. So we had to drive them around for eight hours, trying yeah. to figure out how to cash $160,000 checks. They can move on <laughs> with their life, you know, yeah. just, just crazy stuff like that. But I don't think people that aren't, don't have these full-time businesses really understand. Totally, man. Totally. I love it. Well, listen, thank you for being on here. Thanks for agreeing to do this. It was a lot of fun talking to you guys. Go check out MikeInvests.com. And Mike, man, future... uh, Nothing but uh, success for you in the future, I hope. And uh, I'll have you back on uh, maybe in a short time and talk about kind of how you're doing then. Right on. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. And one more thing too, if you want to reach out to me, you can do so on my Instagram, stat Mike underscore invests. 
Um, just DM me on there. I'm always chatting with people and I love it. So sweet. Perfect. And we'll have all those links in the show notes, guys. So we'll have the website, his Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, the new podcast. We'll have a link to that. So we'll have it all there for you. Don't worry. You can uh, go and check that out after the fact if you're not able to write it down. And uh, Mike, man, nothing but success for you, brother. Hope you do very well this year. Right on. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate all it. All right. Thanks. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun uh, for me. Uh, nice little uh, nugget uh, there from the uh, property management software. Uh, I know my property manager uses Buildium and and I honestly struggle with it. I think it's a little bit complicated for the basic in, uh, you know landlord if you're going to do your own stuff, which I don't have to use it. Uh, but that little tip that uh, Mike dropped there about the software he used, we will throw that in the show notes so you guys have it. But uh, fun interview. Uh, really I love talking to people who left their nine to five and made it work and made it happen. Like he said, he was just being an entrepreneur suits him better than the nine to five. And that is true for a lot of us. And if that's you, it's time to do something about it. I'm not saying just go and quit your job cold turkey. Certainly if you have responsibilities and kids and all this stuff, right? But start planning your escape and make it happen. Nothing will happen if you just keep doing what you're doing, right? You'll just keep getting what you're getting. It's that old saying. So do something different today. Do something to change your life. Do something to change things for the better so that you can be the person that you want to be. All right. That's it for today, guys. Go out and make it happen.